Welcome to this episode of the Pocket Money Podcast, the series where we chat to parents all about kids and their money. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Kilby, and in this episode, I'll be chatting to Sheena about what kids want to do when they grow up, the professionals versus the influencers debate, and whether parents really value different career choices for their children. So I'm joined today by Sheena, who is a mum of two, and we are going to be talking about this slightly complicated issue, really. It does feel really strange talking about it with such young children, but this idea about jobs, future careers, and this thing that I'm going to admit, you know, I don't really understand, this idea of influencers. So maybe tell me a bit about your family setup and what your children's attitudes are to these kind of things. So um, that we're a family of four. Um, Dad works in the IT industry. Um, I work in a bank, which is a bit of a career change for me. I had trained to be um, a solicitor. Um, and then graduated during a recession and found a job in the bank um, and repurposed my skills. Um, Sophia is five. Sophia is in year one, a very social, outgoing girl, um, passionate about ballet, performance, um, and loves being around people. Um, and then we have Olivia, who is three, um, two, just under two and a half years age difference between her and Sophia. Um, again, quite a social child, quite outgoing, but also a child who gets into everything and wants to understand how everything works and takes everything apart and puts it back together. Um, and they both are into computers and into mobile phones. They both have unlocked my mobile phone and know my PIN somehow without me sharing it. And Sophia and Olivia both have old handsets that they will play with and play educational games on it. Um, but Sophia has now taken to vlogging. I mean, this is, this is amazing. Well, what really interests me is even at a young age, you're kind of saying to me that you can sort of see the difference in their in their personalities. And, that, and I think that's really true. You know, I work with lots of, um, you know, families and I, I think it's true of my, my, my children. So I've got three children. I always say to them that my children are like chalk cheese and peanut butter. I mean, there's like no, you know, I know that they're all genetically mine, but only because I was there at the time. You know, such different personalities, such different approaches and interests. And even at a young age, you're saying that you can see these differences in your girls and thinking about does that difference is that going to translate into what they might want to do or be when they grow up and there is a potential I mean they've both got phones they'll both play on things with them Sophia being older will vlog so she will we went on holiday last year to Mexico she had an old handset she's going hi everybody it's me Sophia I'm in Mexico I've just been to see the dolphins putting the camera out showing the taxi drive I mean she was all about that whereas Olivia was maybe drawing about the dolphin or asking me questions why did the dolphin have such big teeth what does the dolphin like to eat and you could see that there was a real difference between how they both viewed that activity Sophia wanted to tell everybody about it and Olivia wanted to work out why the dolphin was so big and why its teeth were so big and she's never seen that on the cartoons that she's watching I mean, it's amazing. I know exactly what you mean. And I've seen it, you know, kind of young children and, and their mastery of tech. Can I just say that we do have a joke in our house that tech support is delivered by anyone who's still a teenager because their ability is so intuitive to them. You know, they already know about camera angles and how to hold it and how how to kind of introduce, you know, even like setting up a short video clip, like introducing it, who, the, who their audience is. I mean, where do they learn this stuff? I think from us, we have made a bit of a conscious decision around it. So we've always been aware that we are coming up to this industrial revolution. Things are going to change. And part of my role is about looking at future skills required for the workplace. So possibly that has influenced mm. it. Um, so we have always had STEM toys around the house. And I see Olivia really embracing that and loving taking things apart. 
but also just aware that kids need to understand that concept of the, the smack, the social, mobile, analytical, and you know the cloud aspect. And so, I know there's a general um, uh, sort of misconception that kids shouldn't have screen time or shouldn't have mobile phones, but we have encouraged it to a point. So, letting them learn how to use the mobile phones, letting them play on the computer. Sophia will write a story after school. She might have some homework that needs to write a story, but sometimes I let her do it on the computer. Get used to using the computer, using Word, mm. writing it there. So she's getting used to using technology to deliver those tasks. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of my work, and I've and I've written about this, and I've got a real background interest in this, is, is children and digi- the digital world, but also parents in the digital world. By the way, because one of the things that I have really noticed that is we don't always model very good digital media behavior use for them you know actually we're on our phones we're not giving them undivided attention we are kind of juggling a multitask you know one eye on them one eye on the screen it's really not ideal but what we don't realize is how much of this behavior that they're seeing and they're modeling and they're copying you know as you said your your girls have already mastered your mobile phone they just kind of know how to do it right partly from watching but partly because it it really gels with how they think Mm-hmm. And that is something that you see. And, you know, sometimes you, I am juggling things, especially when we were working from home, COVID, that had a massive impact, I think, on the girls seeing us doing that juggling. You know, even if I finished work because I was changing my hours, I would have to have my mobile there in case something pinged in. So they would see me checking emails and they would think, oh, OK, but we were meant to be watching TV with mummy or mummy, you were meant to be helping me with my homework. Yeah. They're picking up on that. So we have got a little bit of a um, saying now in the house. So after we pick up the children around five o'clock, we try and put our phones in a little basket in the hallway when we come in and don't look at it again until they go to bed. Unless we get a phone call, we have got a house phone. Mm. Um, My other half is keen to get rid of that house phone. But if we're not looking at our mobiles, at least our grandparents can get hold of us on that house phone in that period. I mean, I I have this theory now. I think it's because I'm getting older or, you know, that old, that, that if you just hang along on long enough, something's going to come back round. So back in the day, having a mobile meant people get hold of you in an emergency. Now, having a house phone means that people can get hold of you in an emergency. I love this. this is like, like if the house phone rings, everyone in our house just stops and stares. Like, what is that noise? It's not my phone. It's not my <laughs> phone. I've never heard that noise before. I asked my son to go and get me the handset the other day because I wanted to call. I wanted to call a number. I was like, I need the, the landline for this. He didn't know where it was. He's looking around really <laughs> bewildered going, I've never seen that. Where is it, mum? <laughs> hilarity. Um, but but it, it, it's, I mean, it, you know, it, how as parents do we juggle this really complicated thing? And, and I'm really, I'm really interested in what you said there about developing the skill set, right? Because parenting as I've understood and have been working with for many years parents want the best for their children they want to help them they want good outcomes that's all we want right we want to raise people who turn into adults that we can go job done I can sit down and have a cup of tea now parenting tick so actually part of that's about equipping them equipping them for the future and I think we're all pretty much in agreement I don't think this is controversial that tech social media influencing this stuff is in their future right it's kind of no getting away from it yeah, there's there's no getting away from it, but there's no getting away from the fact that actually social skills and emotional intelligence, those skills are always going to be there as well. And those are so yeah. important. And those, whilst we do encourage the use of tech within boundaries, we are really keen on and the girls being kind and, and looking out for other people. And that's part of our sort of family rules and the ability to have a conversation actually and think about, I'm not happy. So 
say that to somebody and have that conversation try not to bottle it up bottle it up and then have that mindful you know explosion so we do exercise mindfulness we've got the headspace app and we do meditation together and I can see that where their minds are racing that does actually help them so we focus on that but as you said there's no getting away from tech everybody's on tech I'm on tech I'm on social media etc and they see my use of social media and you know sometimes my three-year-old said to me the other day and and it I'll put this into context because we're not close to my family. My family are all in Brighton and I've got family dotted around the world. And because of COVID, my use of social media has probably accelerated as a means of staying connected. Mm. And the use of things like um, Facebook Messenger has accelerated to video call great grandparents. So their great grandparents are in their late 80s and they are FaceTiming them of an evening and putting filters on and making their great grandparents laugh. Um, there is no getting away from it. And, you know, as, as we move into this world, social, um, this this use of social media, this use of connecting via Wi-Fi, mobile, it's just going to continue. And COVID has, I think, accelerated us a little bit with that. Um, you know, the, the increase in coaching other people. I completely agree. I mean, I think it's brilliant. I'm a big fan of mindfulness. But as you say, most of the vehicles through which you do mindfulness are apps which always just really cracks me up because I was like pretty sure this is like does anyone else notice this contradiction but no you're completely right about the ability of technology to connect it's it's an absolute running joke in our house that if you FaceTime my dad granddad that you'll what you'll get is a picture of his ear because he's holding the phone up to his ear and we're like granddad we can see your ear your face your face Um, and as, as, as recently as yesterday, my mum was having trouble. I, she was trying to explain it to me. Something to do with the passwords on her iPad. Um, I was kind of half listening. I'm not really getting it. So she came round in the garden specifically with my daughter to, not me, please note, my daughter to help her go through all of her passwords and to sort this out. And I just <laughs> thought that, you know, first of all, I'm completely out of that loop. But But that ability to kind of, you know, connect across generations, to use it as a sort of... Um, a way of staying in touch but also something to kind of talk about you know the ability to introduce the older generations to tech through children mm. amazing yeah it really is so how does all of this kind of think about you know children's future and employment you know so I'm, Sheena, I'm going to ask you a question right when you were little can you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up yes because I remember early 90s watching LA Law with my mum and dad watching those solicitors standing up in court with their smart cars and thinking I want a car like that and I want a house like that and how do we get one exactly brilliant um I wanted to be a firefighter and I don't know why I just thought you know all of that running around and all of that you know bright lights and fire engines that appealed to me um no prizes for guessing I'm not a firefighter um (laughs) But I think I'm, I don't think my mum and dad were terribly thrilled about the idea of me being a firefighter, if I recall. Um, I think my parents were very keen on the idea that I might be an accountant. I think that that felt like a kind of you know safe occupation. But but as parents, what what we want for our children is probably really influenced by our own growing up, our, our own ideas and values. You know, I remember the horror when my son said to me, "Well, I'm just going to be a YouTuber." You know, and I've got a hyperventilating going, "That's not a job." apparently it is a job I'm like well what what do we say to that you know when Sophia says do you want to be a vlogger you know what is your well-rehearsed response to this now so she wants to be a vlogger only because of Ryan's toy review and this is that little eight-year-old American boy who earns 26 million opening toys 
saying something about it and then chucking it over his shoulder. Um, the and- unboxing. Exactly. And my response is, oh, Sophia, do you really think that's going to change the world? Is that going to make you happy? Opening toys and tossing them over your shoulder? Ooh, I'm not sure it is, Sophia. Um, but to be fair, she she does fluctuate in what role she wants. But the one thing that ties all those jobs together is the fact that she will have a role model in it. So Ryan started off as being her role model. I want to be like Ryan. I want to have the toys. I want to unbox them. I want to chuck them. I want to have all of the toys I want and make some money on the back of it. Um, She Mm. goes to school. She meets her first teachers. They're a lovely job share. Both very lovely. I want to be a teacher because I've met these teachers. She had an operation. She had a a sort of tumour removed out of her eye. So a number of doctors at Moorfields. I want to be a doctor. Obviously, she went on holiday. I want to be a pilot. So it just depends on whether she's spoken to somebody and they've been lovely to her, I think. Sheena, uh, the mother in me is saying you need to exploit this. Get her in front of some people that we think have got suitable careers. Anyway, my, my scheming mind takes over. It's so interesting that you say that about what the influences are that govern how children make this decision, because I've got some figures for you. So some research has recently been done by Halifax looking at children 8 to 15 and asking them about what they want to do, what they want to be when they are older. Now, I think it's a real reflection of the current context, but about 20% of them were saying that they want to be doctors or nurses. And that's got to be in reflection to how much um, exposure we've had to the NHS and just how much we value those absolutely vital roles. But when we asked what motivated children, what, what were the sort of key things that really drove them towards these careers? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you it's slightly different for boys and girls. Are you ready? For boys, about 40% of them, the most driving factor was how much money they were going to make, whereas for girls, it was only about 25%. And then on the flip side, helping people, a third of girls said that a job where they were helping people was which was most important to them compared to only roughly 20% of boys. So, so that, you know, I want to make a lot of money. Actually, that really is there for children. I suppose as parents, we've got to admit, we'd quite like our children to be financially secure. That seems to be a pretty mm. common theme with most parents I speak to. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would like her to be financially secure. And, you know, YouTubers, yes, they make a lot of money. You see it. They make a lot of money. Are they really happy? You know, I watched a uh, documentary on Fire Festival and all these um, influencers who were paid to promote this festival did, that didn't happen. And the unhappiness they had and you watch them in the camp so upset that this festival wasn't happening. And I worry about does it does something happen to them where they'll start having this constant need to be liked? And if somebody doesn't like you mm. and you come across a troll, what's going to happen to them then? And I am very aware that I see it when I look at my girls and I look at my nephew there's a big difference between the resilience I think in girls and boys and the the need to be liked and to make that difference with helping them and I just worry you know if she said to me I want to be a YouTuber or an influencer I'd immediately be thinking you're not always going to be liked Sophia and what happened if a troll came up and I remember an episode of Black Mirror where they were cyberbullying and you just saw this girl being bullied and it's awful it's always stuck with me that cyberbullying just because of that episode and I just worry about YouTubers getting in that. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because because the world is 
so much more accessible. It's so connectable. The best thing about the internet is that it's connected all of us. And the worst thing about the internet is that it's connected all of us. Mm. You know, all of the things that, that really make it so accessible and appealing to young people, that ability to reach out and to get your message and to connect with other people is the thing that we as parents worry about in terms of exactly the things that you've said, online bullying or online risk or just some of the tough stuff that we don't want them to have to deal with. And how do we how do we introduce it? How do we shield them from this? Because if they've got their heart set on a life on the internet, you know, what, what how are we going to sort of put across the alternatives? Yeah, it's a it's a real difficult one, isn't it? And I guess the the only way of putting across the alternatives is trying to talk to them about the roles but also I really do believe that children start looking away from their parents as role models when they reach a certain age I'm not sure what that age is but I'm sure that I remember hitting a sort of pre-pubescent age I'd imagine and joining um, the police cadets and having a role model there my mum almost said are you interested in this yes I am and I had role models there that weren't my parents that I could look to for more information because increasingly I was probably turning my back on what my mum had to say and I worry, you know, I think that that's the, the, the only way that I'm going to be trying to get the girls thinking about other careers, trying to, by finding them interests that aren't to do with vlogging or YouTubing and finding them role models in those interests. I mean, I think that you're spot on because even if they don't go, the, you know, the full vlogger, you know, uh, unboxer, you know, play video games so other people can watch me play video games again, never going to get my head around that. Um even if they don't go full on into the kind of social media career path, the reality is that social media is a part of most what we would consider conventional jobs, you know, Mm. websites and promoting and, you know, it's kind of, it it sort of creeps into so many industries now that we wouldn't even have thought it would, you know, back in the day. So the reality is there's going to be a little bit of this in whatever they do, isn't there? I mean, I'm struggling to think of a job that wouldn't have some kind of, connection to the digital realm in one way or another well they will be and you just need to look again at covid the prime minister doing these conferences and broadcasting to us and i remember when he did his first broadcast and i thought this is weird we're having a broadcast from boris johnson and i thought actually it's a very clever way of communicating with us and getting your message out in a way that everybody will pick it up and be quite familiar with but it was a very clever um clever way of doing Mm. it and it's streams as well you know Microsoft they're focusing a lot on their streams and how they communicate with people through the use of streams. One of the things that really strikes me and I don't know whether this will resonate with you because you know you have followed a career path that presumably had a fair amount of training in it quite lengthy investment of your time and effort is there something about the generation now in the kind of vlogger influencer culture where there's this idea of a quick turnaround? a kind of quick entry and, and somehow you can scale the heady heights and you get kind of quite instant rewards. You know, what, what, what is, you know, what do you think your girls make of this? What is, what is the sort of impression they're getting? So I think there's that impression that it is quick um, and that you are getting a lot of money out of it. And I guess to, to an extent, it probably is quite quick and they are getting money out of it, but that, that ability to um, use the social media to your, Um, advantage that is not going to go away I don't think and some of the skills that these people are using to jump on and use all those platforms platforms like this flexibility being able to use Twitter Instagram and Facebook or to a Mm. different to do something different with their marketing that that takes a level of flexibility using 
different mediums to get what they want that probably is going to be a skill that's needed in the future we're going to get more technology rolled out to us and the girls are going to need to be able to use all of those so cognitive flexibility I think is something they will need Um, and that being able to use all these digital platforms what really strikes me is this I don't know if, if it's the same for you but this sense of being out of touch creeps up on you alarmingly quickly Mm. terrifyingly so um and in talking to young people so I work with children across the age range and I work with children who are kind of coming out of formal education and considering going on to higher education and higher studies and they talk to me about the kind of courses that they're interested in and they're naming degrees where I'm going is that a degree can you do a degree in that let me look that up and then I feel like super old and really like judgy and really uncool because I'm kind of going do they not just have degrees in I don't know maths or English anymore but okay yeah for sure they do but actually there's this whole other skill set opening up it is really difficult to stay current to to know about this kind of stuff to kind of and then not sound as if you're some kind of naysayer again that you don't want to do that you know the landscape for our children just in terms of their education and their skill set is changing completely yeah and you know when we went to Sophia's welcome last year at school and they stood up and said most of the jobs that your children would be doing have not been thought of yet and I just remember feeling this sense of panic, like, oh, my God, how do I set, yeah. set Sophia up yeah. to have the skill she needs to success to be successful in the future? And by being successful, I mean, A, being happy, but also B, being financially secure. How do I do that if I don't know what the job market is going to look yeah. like? That's, and then I, that, that's officially terrifying, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, no one should start a talk like that. You, I mean, literally, come on. You know, that is <laughs> how do you terrify parents of five year olds? Tell them that. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Gina. And then you look and you think and you start doing your research and you start, you know, that that was where I started making that conscious effort of getting her using technology more so she was comfortable for it. Because I remember when computers first, I was saying this to my grandma at the weekend, computers that came out when I was in maybe year three, I had an hour of IT with this great big box and I was typing and it took me a while to get used to it. And I've got a brother who's 13 years younger than me, so he's probably still in the hip, cool age. He's just turning 22. He's really cool, and he can keep me up to date on what's happening and what to look out for with the girls. Um, I think I probably rely on him and my sister to keep me current because I'm so out of touch. Um, And, you know, I, 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 I honestly feel like I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to set them up for the future because I just don't know what the future's going to look like. Well, confession corner, Sheena, I, I may be older than you because when I was at primary school, they used to wheel a giant telly in on legs like stilts and they used to plug it in and we used to watch one episode a week of whatever we were watching. I don't think they had computers, maybe computers by the time I got to secondary school, but I definitely remember at home, we had this thing, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was like a keyboard with a tape deck at the end and you'd put the tape in to load the game that you were going to play. 25 minutes later, you'd go back and have a go at playing Pac-Man and you could hear it kind of like squeaking away in the background. If it made the wrong noise, you'd know you'd need to start that tape again. I literally was trying to explain this to my children and couldn't get past tape deck. They're like, no, show us a picture. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's truly terrifying, right? It is. But, but we are, we are, we are, you know, raising a generation of digital natives. This stuff makes complete sense to them. Amazing. And, and most of it is role modelling what we're doing. They've seen us doing it. And that's how they're picking up on a lot of it, I think. 
And and do you think this is tougher for, for the kind of older generations? You know, I mean, I you know, my, my mum is still waiting for me to become an accountant. Um, if one of her grandchildren turns into a, a vlogger or a social media influencer, I'm not even sure she's going to know how to explain that to her friends. How difficult it is for us to shift gear? How difficult do you think it is for the older generations to try and get their head around some of this? And I do think it will be even more difficult for the older generations too, because they won't naturally have people that they maybe can talk to about it like we could bounce ideas together Mm. and we would be hearing things from younger siblings or from you know people that we work with especially the retired generation so I'm thinking about the kids great-grandparents I think if Sophia said I'm going to be an influencer or a youtuber her great-grandma would say what's that (laughs) she wouldn't understand it I'm gonna be an unboxer no exactly that's amazing a video and she would think how are they making money out of that? How, who's paying them? Why are they making money? You know, she wouldn't get the concept at all. No. Well, if I'm honest, I don't get the concept. Who is paying them? How do they make money out of that? <laughs> but the fact that that kind of stuff makes sense to them and they understand that there's commercial value in it. You know, I do think this generation have a different approach to work, what work means, a different approach to the value of things, to money. Um, You you know, even just talking to my children about this idea about how you make money out of videos or online videos, it's all to do with the number of people that look at it. Okay, well, that's a really helpful conversation to have a conversation about scale and volume. If you have a lot of people looking, that's reaching a bigger audience, that's worth more. You know, that, that, that got me into a really helpful conversation about value. Do you see what I'm saying about, mm. about this idea that, you know, each individual person is only worth this much of a pence. But if you have hundreds and thousands of them, well, then suddenly your video is worth a lot more. Mm. And that, you know, in order for your videos to be to earn you a lot of money, you have to have a large following. And then suddenly you're realizing you're translating all of these concepts for children. That never really occurred to me. Mm. it's never occurred to me if I'm honest so do you think your children are aware of who's popular on the internet who has a lot of followings who's kind of big how you know my kids will say to me something so and so's got three million followers they're the biggest on the I think but how on earth do you know all of that but they do know right they're really cued into it yeah I, I don't think my two would but I think they understand the concept of popularity and if they're popular or somebody else is more popular than them at school or liked more than them I think they understand that concept They'll know, you know, Mike Sophia knows that she loves Taylor Swift and that Taylor Swift is amazing and she's been touring around the world. Um, so she'll know that about her. It's amazing, isn't it? But I think sometimes what really strikes me is just how difficult it is to translate really big concepts of scale, like the idea that you can post something on the internet and it can it can reach anywhere, or you can have, um, you know, millions of followers and just trying to get a child to understand what the concept of one million two million Mm. I mean Mm. you know this is stuff that the average brain really struggles with right you know this is this is totally beyond my kind of frame of reference I mean it's it's there's there's, I mean we're talking about the internet right there's a wonderful um uh, visual that you can see about how much one million is how much one billion is and how much one trillion is they show it in grains of rice they show it you know how much of a football pitch it fills up I mean, these are massive ideas and we are kind of asking our quite young children to get their heads around that. Mm, mm. And I think and I think as growing up, we we didn't the world was smaller. Right. We didn't have these kind of complex ideas to try and wrestle with. No, the world was smaller and we weren't as connected and we didn't have access 
to understand and unlock the full picture of the world whereas these kids have got that access now but it's really difficult trying to get them to understand as you said size and scale yeah um, amazing and and I suppose I don't know how comfortable you feel with this one of the things that I struggle with a lot around the kind of influencer sphere is a lot of it is driven by um, marketing products the unboxings or the the playing the video games and I think you know, that that kind of connection with children and kind of, you know, marketing and products and things that they're interested in is so like that feels like that's coming in younger than it did for us. Mm. Right. Does, does I mean, would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, it is coming in much younger than it did with us. And, and, and I think you see it, you know, it's possibly because we use technology more. So I know that um, you've got this YouTube for kids, which is supposedly a bit safer than the general YouTube. And there's lots of videos where kids are watching other kids playing with toys. And you sit there and you think, I've bought you an, an iPad so that you can sit and watch other kids playing with toys that you've got in your front room, but you're not playing with it yourself. That's, that's the one. And it is all of that. And, and I think in some ways, I often feel that it makes children grow up kind of quickly. You know, I, I have a lot of conversations with parents about this idea of kind of innocence. You know, is there something that we're exposing children to about the world that we might not want to, that we might want to kind of hold back? But, but the reality is once they're entering that social media sphere and, and they are hungry for it, you know, the example that you've given of, of Sophia, you know, she's she's got a, a passion for this. But once you let them in, it's quite difficult to moderate that. How can you let them into some of it, but not all of it? And these things seem to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It, it is and I think all of us though all of our brains have slightly changed with social media and it's gratification you want people to like things and you know we moved in you spoke about games gamification things are moving into gamification is moving into spheres that you had never thought gamification would sit in um and and you are right you need you struggle to moderate it I mean we are fairly lucky that Sophia is still so young that we can have that moderation around it my fear is when she gets older how am I going to moderate that and how am I going to keep her safe and I'm grateful for having a few years to try and work out what I'm going to do and get some strategies going thank you so much Ina for really opening up this topic because I think what you know what we've spoken about today is so relatable you know so many other parents are having this experience on a kind of day-by-day basis with their relatively young children and I suppose what I've learned from talking to you, what's really kind of opened my eyes is that it's not helpful to be binary about this. It's not helpful to say something is either good or bad, right? The reality is that these tools and resources are there. And the important thing for our children is to give them skills and abilities. So, so maybe I'd say to parents out there, you know, maybe your task of the day is to have this conversation with your children, research some jobs that you didn't know about, look at the different further education options, look at how you become a blogger because the reality is you're probably going to have these conversations with your children as they move through into sort of different career choices absolutely thank you so much sheena for joining me today and for really opening up this conversation and kind of challenging some of my ideas and views as well it's been really really fantastic thank you in our final episode we'll be chatting about christmas what kids have on their Christmas list this year, whether we have had to slim down on the letters to Santa, or if we're planning to go bigger and better than ever. Join us next time on the Pocket Money Podcast, brought to you by Halifax. You can find all episodes of this series on iTunes and Spotify.